Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Today we're going to be talking about digestive distress, which is a blight for many runners. So we're going to be looking at what's going on, why is it happening, and how nutrition can help you resolve your digestive problems so that you can have successful training days and even more successful race days. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends, and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm Aileen and I'm here with Karen. Uh, for those of you that don't know us, from a, a running uh, perspective, Karen's a marathon and an ultra runner, and I'd describe myself a bit more as a recreational runner. Oh, Alien, I'd say you're more a middle distance runner. <laughs> you can see me up there. I think I would describe myself more as a half marathoner, and I enjoy lots of short runs too. Um, so anyway, hi, Karen, and uh, are you ready to get started today? Hi, Eileen. Yes, I'm ready to go. Excellent. So today our topic is avoiding digestive problems and what you can do. So we're going to be discussing the digestive issues that many runners are experiencing and, and look at uh, things that you can do to help alleviate them so you can enjoy your running a bit more. Um, so I'm sure that most of you can relate to this issue. Uh, we certainly can, can't we, Karen? Yes, absolutely, Aileen. And it is, it is a thought that, um, or it's known in general literature as digestive distress, because I think that's exactly what it is. You know, the digestive system is being distressed. So, and it's, it's like a stress response in the body. And distance running is known to be the key tr trigger for its, um, occurrence, but it can happen in short distances for some people. So it will depend on the overall digestive health of the individual and if there are any other stresses in their lives. So there's lots of things, again, to be taken into consideration when discussing digestive distress. Okay, yeah, it's a very big topic, but um, let's start by looking at the risk factors for digestive distress. So you already mentioned, Karen, that distance running is a known trigger. What else can you tell us about it? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the causes or risk factors, as they're sometimes known as well, are sort of split, generally split into three principal categories. So there's physiological, mechanical and nutritional. And the physiology, physiological is sort of looking at the reduced blood flow that occurs um, to the 
gastrointestinal tract. And that also um, links into anxiety as well. And there's the mechanical, which is that bouncing effect of running. So as we're going up and down and forward, that that has an effect on the on the GI tract. And then nutritional, uh, this is probably an area that more people are, are sort of aware of. And that's sort of looking at foods that are irritants. And these generally for a runner can be fat, protein, carbohydrates, but also dairy and gluten, which can be a problem for, for many people and any other food sensitivity that, that a, an, an individual is susceptible to. So that's really interesting. There's three primary reasons that you might mm. be suffering from digestive distress. And I think most people just tend to think about food. And um, so it'd be really great if we could have a, a look at what's going on in, in the other sort of main categories. So could mm. we start with the physiological effects, Karen? Mm-hmm. So why yeah. would, why would you say that there would be a reduced blood flow in the, um, the GI tract? Because you know, the digestive system is quite a crucial system. So why would the blood flow reduce in that area? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Aileen. You know, the digestive system is really important. However, when the body is under stress, so when it goes into that stress response I mentioned earlier from running, the blood flow is preferentially diverted to the working muscles and the heart, because after all, the heart is a really big muscle. So that's where the blood flow is going primarily. And it is it is said that blood flow to the intestines can be re- reduced by up to 80%, which is actually really high, I think. Mm. And this can lead to sort of some symptoms, including um, uh, a cramping, and in some severe cases can cause a condition called ischemic colitis. Now, that's a, that's a sort of a medical term for injury or inflammation occurring in the large intestine, so that colon area. So, um, so it can have quite profound effects, actually. Yeah. So basically what we're saying is when we're running, um, as we know, endurance running is a stressor. So we're putting ourselves under stress and the body is coping with that stress by sending most of the blood flow to, to the muscles predominantly in the heart to help us get through that. And that's the thing that's then diverting the blood away from the digestive system. Um, so it's good to sort of understand what's going on there. And mm. is there anything particular about female runners, Karen, that we need to think about when we're thinking about the blood flow and the digestive mm. Yeah, actually, Aileen, that's a really good point, because I think for female uh, runners, it's important to mention here that the Blood is diverted away from the digestive system, but it's also di- diverted away from the reproductive system because it's not seen as a vital system when the body is in that stress response. So, um, so there, there's often mention of the fact that stress may affect fertility and exercise could be contributing to that stress. So I think for any woman, um, that is trying to become pregnant or thinking about becoming pregnant and they're they're either doing high impact training or they're doing a lot of running or they're doing a lot of distance running i think it's worth them bearing this in mind if they mm-hmm. are thinking about it or finding it difficult to become pregnant their exercise could be impacting on that somewhat yeah that's a really key point to just remember um and thanks for pointing that out karen there's always a stress 
versus fertility connection. And I think mm. if anybody's going through fertility issues, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, isn't it? You know, you stress because you can't get pregnant and you can't get pregnant because you're stressed. So yes. it's um, one that definitely needs to be, uh, needs to be addressed. So, Absolutely. um, can we talk about the physiological reasons? Um, are there any, any others that you'd like to mention? Yeah, the only other one linked to, to the physiological impact is um, about anxiety. I mentioned that earlier. Mm. And anxiety is known to be especially high just before competition. And again, it's about the effect it has on hormone excretion. And um, and I'm thinking here primarily about the, the gut hormones um, and when they're affected, it can um, it can lead to a change in intestinal mobility, so that movement of food through the gut. And if you've got suboptimal gut mobility, it can reduce absorption, and that can lead to diarrhea. So, and that could happen at any point. Um, it could happen during um, the run, which is what happened to Paula Radcliffe. Um, but also for some people, it's immediately afterwards as well. They have um, they, they they have that reaction. Um, but again, this this effect on hormones feeds into the reproductive system again because it's it's looking at all hormones. I was speaking specifically about the gut hormones, but it's feeding into all hormones and how anxiety again, feeds back into that stress response. So really important um, for female runners to think about this, but also male runners as well. Clearly they have hormones the same as we do, um, just yeah. in different different sort of levels. So it would be important for male runners to be, be thinking about that as well. Again, linked to fertility as well. Mm. Yeah, and I was just thinking that, Karen, we, we were talking really about the sort of lower gut there, but I think the the anxiety and the stress can also have an effect on upper gastric issues as well. So mm. inducing nausea and things like that too, which I'm thinking on race day of that nervousness that everybody has, or uh, some people have certainly. Um, okay, yes. so let's let's move on. And what we can we now look at the mechanical risks that you spoke about, the bouncing effects of running being a cause of digestive distress. What's actually happening in our guts when that's going on? Yeah, sure, Aileen. So it's thought that that repetitive, high-packed, what they call mechanics of running, leads to damage of the intestinal walls, which can in turn um, lead to digestive bleeding in the long term. But some of the more common lower digestive symptoms that are experienced by by the by the majority of runners probably is the likes of flatulence diarrhea urgency to go um but you know as we've said before everyone is different so, so some runners may have different symptoms so for example Aileen you were just speaking about some people having upper digestive issues and that could happen as well it just depends where that irritation occurs in the digestive system where many people are more susceptible to inflammation and damage. Mm. So when you mentioned the GI bleeding, so that sounds quite dramatic and, and for some people obviously mm -hmm. it may be, um, but often we forget that when we're having like little, little bits of irritation internally, what's happening is that there's redness and, um, 
you know, inflammation and soreness going on. And we might not be able to see it, but it's still causing us issues. And if, if we had those kinds of um, wounds on the outside, we'd be able to see it. But it's just to remind ourselves that that could potentially be going on inside. And every time we're going for a run, we could be irritating it. Um, and that's possibly why some of the symptoms come on during runs. Would you, would you agree with that, Karen? Yes, absolutely, Aileen. That's a really good point. You know, just because we can't see the bleeding doesn't mean to say that it's, it's, it's not happening. Maybe very, very small amounts, but it, that sort of irritation could be causing small amounts of bleeding. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So, so, so far we've looked at the physical stressors. We've talked about anxiety and we've looked at the bouncing effects of uh, running on our gut. Um, so I can associate with some of these. How about yourself, Karen? Have you got any stories to tell? Have you had a Paula Radcliffe moment? Well, not quite a Paula Radcliffe moment, no, thankfully. However, I have had to go mid-race, which is is really inconvenient, especially when you're doing a marathon where you're hoping to maybe get a PB. And and for me, it was at the Edinburgh Festival, the Edinburgh Marathon. And um, you know, my claim to fame is that being a vegetarian, I've never stepped inside a McDonald's, not even had a veggie burger. Um, but but during that marathon, I was absolutely desperate, and the only thing that was open and around was was McDonald's. So I had to sort of. Um, put my pride aside and step through those arches and go and use their toilets. And I have to say that the staff were really delightful and, and really understanding of my predicament. So, um, so thank you, McDonald's, for that, I have to say. So, oh, uh, you poor thing. That sounds terrible. And it's definitely yeah. a, as a nutritionist that there are some food outlets that we wouldn't be seen dead in. So, and yeah. that unfortunately is one of them. So I don't yes. think we'll ever be getting McDonald's doing a sponsor for the show, will we? No, I don't think we will, Aileen, no. <laughs> okay, so finally, let's look at some of the food uh, that we talked about earlier and some of the effects. So I think many of us can associate with this too. And, you know, most people are quite careful about what they eat the night before. They might avoid the curry. They might avoid too much alcohol before a big run. Um, but can you give us some other ideas of food that we might want to consider Yes, absolutely. Like you say, Aileen, all of those foods that you've mentioned can have some digestive effects. And another one to think about is, is caffeine. Um, it's well known to, to cause sort of irritation. And for some people, nausea can actually cause vomiting in, in, in some people, but that tends to be rare, but it can lead to that irritation of the digestive tract that we've just spoken about. And certainly nausea in, in many people. Yeah, that's really interesting because a lot of runners do use caffeine as an ergogenic aid and they might not be realising that this could be contributing to this digestive distress. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. And and another another sort of food to be thinking about is carbohydrates, um, especially in the drinks and gels that we get. Now, it it the research says that it only becomes an issue to the digestive system when there's more than 12 grams of carbohydrates per 100 mils um, of of drink or gel, whatever it may be. Um, and, but, and, and that can be quite significant, the effects of that. But I think it's also worth bearing in mind that most sports drinks have around 
roughly about six grams per hundred mils. But I think it's just interesting for people to know and to be aware of and just to maybe to check their gels and their drinks to make sure that it it isn't um, too high. The content isn't too high for them. Mm, that's that's good to know too, Karen. And what about dairy foods? A lot of people talk about dairy foods being um, an irritant or something that they're intolerant to. Yes, absolutely. And as we know as nutritional therapists, Aileen, mild lactose intolerance is, is I say, fairly common. It's, qu- it's quite common, actually. Um, and, and again, could result in increased bile activity um, and, and, and also mild diarrhea in, in some people. Um, and, and just as a reminder to people that lactose is the sugar that is that is found in, in milk and it is known to be, again, an irritant and also leading to that sort of mild diarrhea. Yeah. And another area to think about, too, is fibre. That's well known for its digestive effects. Mm. Um, so it's always a good idea to have a, a lower fibre meal before a big race, just as a proportion. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's worth mentioning here also, Aileen, that, you know, although some risk factors have been identified, it is still unclear why some individuals seem to be more prone to develop the symptoms than others. You know, there's been a lot of research into all these different foods and drinks and things, but they still haven't got any conclusive evidence of why some people suffer from it more than than others you know they've got ideas they've got hunches but there's no sort of conclusive evidence for that yeah so what what would you say a runner could do to minimize the potential effects of these particular foods on digestive distress Yes, well, what I would say there really is um regarding the milk products, the fiber the proteins, high fat, the carbohydrates as well, and, and also caffeine maybe, is to think about trying to avoid them for 24 hours before any any endurance training and also competition, um, and also to avoid them during, during your training and during competition as well, just to sort of give yourself the best opportunity of... Um, of maintaining performance and, and avoiding the, the potential effects of them. Yeah, and another thing that I was thinking that um, people could think about doing is when you are noticing um, symptoms during training, um, a good idea would be to try eliminating um, so, some of these foods and you might want to do them one by one. So maybe uh, one week think, okay, I'm, I'm not going to have milk and the lactose and just notice if it makes any difference. And then you sort of systematically analyzing what's going on yourself. And if you find that, um, you know, if, you, if you're not getting the symptoms because you're avoiding something, then you'll know that that's a good thing to do during your um, competition days too. Um, so, so what we're saying, Karen, is be aware of um, caffeine, alcohol, carbohydrates, especially thinking about the energy gels, um, thinking about dairy and fiber, but it's a sort of personalized situation for everybody. So just because one of your friends does well on something, it, it might not have the same effect on you. So that that's a sort of uh, roundup of what we're saying there. Um, but I was mm-hmm. also wondering, Karen, about um, medications, because I know that some medications have significant effects on the GI tract. Um, what are your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, you're absolutely right, Aileen. There are um, lots of different medications, including ibuprofen and other sort of non-steroid anti-inflammatory drugs, as well as analgesics, so painkillers, um, are known to, to cause GI distress. And these are um, sort of medications that a lot of uh, runners, endurance athletes tend to use. Um, and again, it's like the food and the, the the alcohol and things. It's about trying to limit or if you can avoid them um, mm-hmm. to, to, to help minimize the risk of getting any symptoms. That's the best advice I would I could give really here. Yeah. And I think another thing to bear in mind is that these types of medications, which, you know, a lot of people use either you know, as you say, for painkillers or as an anti-inflammatory, they're well known to irritate the digestive system. So um, if you are regularly taking them, you know, for headaches or period pains or to help cover, um, you know, injuries, um, you, you're sort of creating uh, an environment that's not great for digestion. So you should, as Karen says, try to limit those um, as much as you can. And um, and just moving on, Karen, are there any other risk factors that people should be aware of? Um, yeah, other risk factors that might be worth considering is, you know, we've been speaking here about uh, mostly endurance training and events, but also digestive distress could occur um, for people who t- who do a lot of intensive or vigorous exercise. So the likes of the HIIT ex- type exercise or any prolonged or extreme exercise that people might do, that, that could be um, a, a risk factor. Also, um, high sweat rate and increased core temperature. So this can, this again can lead to a decreased blood flow to the, to the GI tract as it's shunted to the skin to try and disperse that heat. So that's another, that's another known risk factor, not quite as common as the ones we've spoken about, but still another risk factor. And also, as we've alluded to as we've gone through alien is, is people who have got a history of GI issues. So people who have maybe already got some sensitivities, have maybe got um sort of some sort of digestive disorder, the, they they might be susceptible and be at higher risk of um symptoms. And I think it's really for them it's about addressing these with a nutritional therapist therapist to help prevent um experiencing it and, and that severe GI distress um during the running so that they can enjoy it. Yeah, there's a couple of things just I just wanted to pick up on there, Karen. So on mm. when we talk about risk factors, what we're really meaning is if you um, have any of these things going on, you will be more likely to experience the digestive distress. So risk factors are sort of a, I suppose it's a medical term, isn't it really? So, you know, if you can reduce yes. your risk factors, you're not as likely to experience the the outcome that we're talking about. Exactly. Exactly. Right, yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the the other thing that I thought was really pertinent that you mentioned was if you've got any kind of um, GI issue on a day to day basis, you know. So mm-hmm. if you're somebody that um, has constipation regularly, or you const- or you have diarrhea regularly, or you've got um, a digestive disorder that's been diagnosed, then you're already in a sort of 
to go back to the at-risk analogy, you're already at risk and, and your running will probably exacerbate it. And that's mm-hmm. why really good advice Karen was saying. It's like, don't just cope with things, get them sorted out and then you, you're not going to suffer so much uh, during your running. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So, um, and I think that just sort of leads me on to thinking that, you know, a lot of people put up with things. So a lot, I, I don't know what you find, Karen, but what, certainly when, when I'm seeing clients, I'm always surprised when they fill out their questionnaire and, and they've got so many symptoms. And I think, how can you be putting up with this? Mm-hmm. But a lot of people just think that's normal for me because they've had it for years, you know, possibly a lifetime. And they think that that is yeah. okay, but there's really no need to be suffering from these kinds of GI symptoms and there's generally a root cause and it's a mm-hmm. good idea to get a professional to help you uh, work out what those root causes are and to and to help you recover from them. Um, so moving on, I've gone off mm. on a bit of a tangent there, but moving on, uh, we That's talked okay. about, um, we, you mentioned earlier, nausea and diarrhea uh, are there any other symptoms that people should be looking out that would suggest that they've got a GI problem? Yes, I think there's quite a lot of symptoms that um, people maybe need to start becoming a bit more self-aware of. Like you've just said, Aileen, people think that's normal for me or I've always been that way or it's all I've always had that. And it's about, well... You know, that isn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean that it is normal. So some other symptoms to be thinking of are thirst and dehydration. And that could be the first signs of, um, GI distress. And if acted upon, um, it may reduce the severity or help avoid it occurring altogether. Um, also heartburn reflux, like you were saying earlier, uh, um, alien about people experiencing more uh, upper um, digestive symptoms. So heartburn and reflux would be part of that. Uh, flatulence and bloating. Th- these are some of the, the, the more common ones. And, um, but also nausea and, uh, that we spoke about earlier and vomiting for some people. We've also, um, spoke already spoken about that urgency to go or diarrhea. And quite often it's known as the dumping syndrome. So if you haven't heard that term before, if you do mm. hear it, you'll know what they're speaking about. No, and, um, yes, I know it's not a very nice term. I think I prefer urgency to go actually. Um, and also a sort of blood in stools. We have spoken about that irritation of the, the gut lining and how that can lead to bleeding. And that can happen at any, in any part of the digestive system. Now, any presence of bloody, um, of blood in the stools, um, does kind of raise raise the possibility of a health risk. So it would be really important to go and visit your GP or a medical professional of some kind and just get that checked out. You know, it's 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 possible that it it is linked to the irritation, but any bleeding uh, sign of bleeding in the stools, then it's really important to to get that checked out. Yeah, that's a, a big red flag that um, we need mm. to point out to everybody. So it's such a big topic, this, isn't it, Karen? It affects so mm. many runners in so many different ways. And I'm in quite a lot of um, online running groups. And, and I know from the conversations that go on there that it's something that does affect lots of people. And I, I think we could almost do a whole season on solving digestive distress. But we are coming to the end of our time today. Mm. And so once again, Karen, could we just sum up um, with the key takeaways from today's episode? 
Yes, absolutely. So some of the key takeaways I think from today would be about um, when you're doing your training, introducing small amounts of proteins and carbohydrates um, pre-training and just building up from that to try and help the body and the digestive system adjust to the intake of the food. And hopefully that will help to reduce the, reduce the symptoms, reduce the risk of, of any symptoms. Cause as the book, cause the body will adapt. So just sort of starting small and then building up will give the body time to adapt to the, to the food coming in and hopefully be able to deal with it, therefore minimise the chance of uh, of any um, digestive distress. Also minimise or remove the fat, the fibre, um, pre-training pre and during training and the same on race day as well. Um, think about maybe limiting the amount of carbohydrate taken in during training. So certainly no more than 60 grams per hour of carbohydrate. So anything really between 30 grams and 60 grams. And again, that will need to be individualized. So it might need um, sort of a consultation with a sports professional there. And again, practice that during training to work out how much is, is best for you. And, and also to think about practicing with different foods as well, um, to find out which one causes the least or, or no digestive side effects at all. So I think that's a really good takeaway point from this. Again, uh, still on the carbohydrate theme, just remembering to have a look at any gels and drinks containing it and making sure that it's it's got less than 10% carbohydrate concentration. Like I said, the majority of them have six grams per hundred grams um, of, of fluid, but just be mindful and check that. Uh, remain hydrated. Um, like I'm saying earlier, thirst and dehydration could be the first sign of digestive distress. So just make sure you're taking on um, enough water before, during and after your training. And, um, and, and another couple of things just to think about is training in the environment in which you'll be um, competing. And again, that's going to help minimize dehydration. It's going to minimize um, the sweat, sweating as well. So being able to, to do that, being able, it's not, that's not possible for everybody, but if you're going to be competing in a hot climate, maybe it's about going to the treadmill at the gym and, and sort of doing some training there where you're going to get much hotter than, than being outside. And, and, um, also thinking about removing or at least limiting some medications and supplements, um, during, during training, um, um, so that you're adjusted to that and definitely not using it um, when you go into competition. And just thinking about your caffeine intake. I know it is an ergogenic aid, like you were saying, Aileen. So lots of people use it to enhance performance, but it could be that it's leading to some digestive symptoms that, that people are, are sort of enduring at the moment. How about you, Aileen? I, I think that's quite a lot for me. Have you got anything to add here? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this, as I said earlier, it's a really big topic and there's lots of takeaways. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully, you know, if whoever's listening out there, you don't need to uh, take away everything. You can just pick out the things that are going to make the biggest difference to you. Uh, but my final thought is just really to re-emphasize what I mentioned earlier, that 
having an optimal digestive system really is foundational. So by that, I mean that it should be working uh, correctly and easily day in and day out. And if it isn't, then our advice would be um, book yourself in with a nutritional therapist or another health professional, uh, delve into whatever the root causes might be and uh, get those resolved. And um, if you don't, you might find that those um, day-to-day symptoms that you're experiencing start being exacerbated by your running. Um, so, so yeah, it's like getting back down to basics. It, it feeds back into our mantra, Karen, that, you know, doing things, getting your everyday health in order will really enhance um, your training and, and your racing. So, um, so, yeah, that brings us um, to a conclusion. So thank you for your great advice again today, Karen. Uh, much appreciated. My pleasure. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.